Last week, um, Phil Eyre shared about the scandal. Do you remember the scandal he shared about the bounty in celebration boxes that have now been taken out and how disappointed Phil was in his frustration by throwing sweets and hitting my wife um, with one of them last, last week. And it got me thinking, actually, I was sitting there and I was just thinking about a, a kind of another scandal um, that happens every Christmas. And Paul, if you can just put on the screen, um, you might have seen this. <laughs> The scandal of the tubs, the tins have got smaller and smaller over the decades. A little bit of reading this week, apparently it's, all a, it's, it's not like that. The company actually says, no, you still get the same amount, just different design of the tin. You can decide what you want. But just to kind of get us thinking a little bit, next image, I don't know, growing up, one of the things that we'd always have is quality streets would be given as a present. My dad was a caretaker at school, so we had loads of tins of quality streets given every Christmas. Um, just talk to the person next to you, which one is your favourite, and which one would always be left in the tin would be the last one. Okay. I didn't realize how passionate you are about quality streets. And actually, I could probably sit down and just go, the England game's on in two minutes. You know, just, you would have kept on talking. It's obviously got very strong feelings about this. My, my personal one is, when I was a child, it would be the strawberry delights I would like. <laughs> now, now, they are gross. They are so sweet and uh, but it would always be like the um very very quick because i can't read it from the distance there it would be the um the toffee penny and the toffee finger would always be left last and somehow somehow i would still return to the tin because i go well at least it's chocolate you know that's that's the kind of thing you eliminated it down anyway that has nothing to do with what i was going to talk about tonight i just thought just get you kind of talking and thinking it's been an amazing day hasn't it and, and I think in, in the sense of actually coming together is something powerful and beautiful about when community comes together to celebrate Jesus, whether that's through singing together, whether that's praying together, hearing God's word, in communion together, whatever that looks like, there's a beauty as we come in this place. And that's why we celebrate church together, because it's something that God's created. It's his design. And so what a joy it is to be um, together. Amen? Amen. Good. Good. You're still thinking about quality streets, I know it, all right? So this morning, Chrissy, didn't she do well this morning? Um, just shared so well. And actually, something that really kind of stuck out for me was she was talking about the shepherds experiencing the, the, the presence of God through, through the angels and talked about the difference between the, the wise men and the shepherds and all those kind of things. It was really, really amazing. But I just want to pick up one line that was in Luke 2 verse 9, which links in with this evening. It says, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were afraid. And that was the theme that Chrissy was talking about. Is that Actually, we've got nothing to be afraid of when we're in the presence of God. But for the shepherds, they were just expecting at that point, it was nighttime, so they expected it to be dark. They didn't expect light. But more than that, it was the glory of God that came and shone. And that's the beauty about God, is that when you talk in Scripture about fear, there is a fear where we can be scared, but there's a fearing of God, which is just being in awe of him. The God who created the heavens and the earth, we get to be in relationship with him. And there is a sense of we don't take it lightly. We shouldn't treat it light, lightly. 
there should be the sense of awe about how good and faithful and wonderful God is. Our theme at Shiloh for this month is what? Christmas? This is where it proves that. What's the point, eh? What's our th- it's been on the screen all day. Light in the darkness. You should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> but what we're talking about, we're not talking about this ordinary light. We are talking about the glory of God. And this light in the darkness, Philair shared last week about this Advent as we are looking ahead, the Christmas, it's that celebrating the birth of Christ. Our saviour is coming as a baby. And I'm sure who doesn't here have an Advent calendar? Ah, everyone else is probably stuffing their faces these days if it's a chocolate chocolate one. But actually, what we're seeing is it's the birth of Christ. We've got something to look forward to, and that's why we should be celebrating Christmas. It's remembering what's taken place. And in the book of Luke, we read about a guy called Zacharias. I won't go into that story now, but in chapter 1, verse 67, he's prophesying, and prophecy is a sense of actually foretelling He's filled with the Holy Spirit, and it's God speaking to him. And actually, it's something that's going to happen in the future. And part of this prophecy, it says this, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the ways of peace. And this light means the coming of Jesus and how his presence offers us freedom. It offers us his perfect love, hope, joy, peace, all these things that come into place. He provides us new life. The old has gone and the new has come. We are a new creation if we put our trust in Jesus. He is our eternal light. Isn't it amazing when we know we've been forgiven by him? It gives us a freedom. It allows us to be in a place to walk in confidence and walk in the light of knowing he is the one that has given us everything we need. And so what I want us to do tonight, this theme of what Shiloh's theme for this Christmas is, light in the darkness. Uh, You're getting it, that's good. What does that mean for us as a church? What does it mean for you and I that already have a relationship with Jesus? What is it that we can offer for people? And that's a theme and a message that we can take right up to the rest of this month. And there is a difference living in light to there is living in darkness. What does that mean? How does that affect our lives? And that's what I want to speak about this evening. And I want to give you some just very simple examples. And when you come to, when I was come to preparing this, I was thinking about what it was living in darkness. And I suddenly had kind of flashbacks of little moments where for some reason my brain tends to remember stuff that really doesn't carry any meaning. It's just useless. I don't know what it is. I'd rather keep hold of stuff that is really, really kind of helpful. Um, But I tend to hold on to stuff which really doesn't really matter. Anyone like that? Okay, I'm glad there's a few others like me. All right, but just this sense of actually what is the difference between living in darkness to what is it living in light? And I just want to share you a couple of these stories. Story one is the theme to this is living in darkness causes us to be blinded and lack direction. I remember um, a few years ago, we um, rented a van. We took some youth away to a, a Christian festival in the UK, and I was taking the van back. And I live um, fairly near Vale Castle, where Rabies Garage is, where we return. 
the vehicle. I thought, I'm going to return it on Sunday night, and it was night time. And if you know anything about around Vale Castle, there is no artificial lights whatsoever. It was before phones had a torch, and so I would parked up, and I thought, well, I know how to get home. It only takes uh, 10 minutes to walk home. That's absolutely fine. And as I came out, I suddenly realized that it was one of those evenings where there was no moon, there was no artificial light, it was pitch black. And around Vale Castle, you got the railing on the pavement. And I knew I could actually hold on to that and walk. I could not see anything in front of me. And as I was walking, that railing came to an end. And I suddenly thought, oh my goodness, what am I going to do now? And, and actually, I couldn't tell if I was on the edge of the pavement, and, and, and I was kind of like stepping, the road was bending around, and I was feeling, where's the wall? Am I in the middle of the road? What happens if a car comes? Oh, actually, if a car comes, that might help me realize where I am, as long as I stay safe. Fortunately enough, a car did come, and I realized, actually, I was near the middle of the road. And I, and I recognized that, actually, if I can take a snapshot as the car goes past, I can then walk with confidence. And so I quickly went to the side of the road, the car drove past, and I started to walk, think, great, I got this, and then it went dark again. My point in that story is the fact that actually, as I was walking, what should have taken 10 minutes took more than double the time to get home. And it was the fact that walking in darkness, you lack that confidence. You lack that ability to know which direction you're going. You feel lost, that song, Amazing Grace. Once I was blind, but now I can see. Not because I've done anything, but it's because of Jesus. And in those moments when we lack direction, we do feel in darkness. I don't know if like, well, the Cattell is the only place that doesn't have street lamps. And if you live in that parish, then you have to suffer with the fact that you do have to make sure you take a torch with you. But actually, as you're walking in darkness, you are having to feel around. Life with Jesus is different. Living in light, John 8, verse 12, then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus offers hope. And the amazing thing is, is that throughout life, if you give your life to Jesus, not only does he lead the way, but he holds your hand. And he leads you and he directs you. And even in those dark moments in life where, where things are happening, where you may be struggling with stuff, know that like the railing where it came to an end, Jesus is not like that. He is with you every step of the way. Jesus is the light of the world. Point two, living in darkness causes us to panic. What did the angels say to the shepherds? What did Chrissy say this morning? Do not be afraid. When I was about 14 years of age, I had some mates around. Uh, we had a sleepover. There was about five of us. And um, around uh, one o'clock in the morning, uh, we decided to go for a walk onto Lancrest Common. Um, and we didn't take a torch. I'm not learning about taking torches by the looks of it. But actually, as we were walking, we walked onto the common. We were just chatting away. Um, we were just going to go and have a walk, and that was all. In those days, they used to keep cows tethered on the common. Now, they consider that cruel now, they don't do that. But actually, I'd forgotten they tethered cows on the common at two o'clock in the morning. And there's the five of us just chatting away. And as we were walking along, everything was fine. 
But in a moment, we suddenly heard a chain rattle. But we didn't stay together. We scattered in all different directions. Miraculously, no one hit a cow. But amazingly, we managed to find one another. Someone had trodden in cow pat, you know, all that kind of stuff had happened. But I was just reminded in this story that when we live life away from Jesus, I can certainly say before I gave my life to Jesus, there were times where I would just panic. There would be just times where I'd be just thinking, where do I look to in life? And we scatter and we can't fathom. And, and maybe that's how your brain operates when we go into a panic. It's like, I can't figure out something in that moment. And we just go and complete meltdown. That's what happens when we live a life in darkness. We've got no one or nothing to cling on to. And even in those moments, when you're thinking about how life may be fragile, maybe you've received news this week, sometimes you think, oh my goodness, this is a really panicky time. I don't know how to deal with this. We have Jesus to cling on to. We have him knowing that as he's a light of the world, it says in Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Often I hear, and I've had people say this to me as well, my own experience, is that when people are looking in that don't have a relationship with Jesus, in some kind of circumstance where they know you're going through a difficult challenge in life or you're hearing about something that's going on, I've heard people say, why is it you react differently? And I've heard people say that to other people around me. And the reason is that Jesus is my foundation. Jesus is in my life. And sometimes it's hard to explain to people why you may react in a different way to the way the world may say you should react. You should panic. You should worry. You should be kind of like figuring out where do you go in life? Where's your rail to hold on to as you're trying to figure and navigate through life? Actually, Jesus is a lamp to our feet. And he is the one that reassures us. He's the one that never fails. He is the one that we hold on to with confidence. And people may be looking in and saying, I don't get how you can be so calm. And the fact is, it's because actually Jesus is in my life. He is the one that makes the difference. And where we should be panicking when you have Jesus in your life, there's calmness. Isn't it amazing when Jesus just commands the winds and the waves and the storm to be still? And those moments, beautiful, in, the, in those chaotic moments, the voice of Jesus comes and that stillness comes. Don't get me wrong, folks. In life on this earth, we still have darkness that tries to consume us. That's why we cling onto Jesus. Story three, living in darkness fills us with fear. I was at a friend's house around the age around 14 where um, we watched a horror movie. And, and actually, it's actually um, watched it, and then I had to walk a mile home. Again, no torch. This is like, I must make a note. But it was a winter's night. It was blowy. And as I was walking home on my own, what had my brain just been filled with? It had been with a horror movie. And do you know, for that whole mile walking back home, I constantly was looking behind me, constantly thinking, someone's following me. That, that was the kind of thing. And, 
And what should have just been an easy walk home was filled with dread and fear. Darkness was consuming me. And you know, we have to be careful in life what we fill our hearts and minds with. I know some people like the genre of horror movies. I'm, I'm not saying don't watch it. What I'm saying to you is be careful what you're filling your hearts and minds with. At the age of 14, it had a, an influence on me which actually spooked me for a while. But when we look at what Psalm 27 says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? At that point, I decided I don't need to watch horror movies. And actually, I haven't watched any since. Not because I was being wise. I just thought, what's the point of being spooked? I just want to encourage you is, is actually, what are you filling your hearts and minds with? Is it stuff that's going to feed darkness? Or is it things that are going to feed light? And I want to encourage you, feed your life with light. I know that particularly can be a challenge to younger people when, when actually there can be this, oh, you should watch this, you should do this, you should do, do that. You can have your peer group pressuring you to, to do that. Do you know what? You can be different. And it's okay to say no. It's okay to say, actually, it doesn't, I don't enjoy it. It's important to actually say, am I feeding myself with light or feeding myself with darkness? Because when we feed ourselves with light, it says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. He is the one I cling on to. He is the one that I want to feed my life with. And when that happens, there's a freedom that comes. A freedom that you're not filled with fear. So I'd rather have my relationship with my Heavenly Father than I would do with feeling what's going on in this world. So just think, things I've said it before, if you watch a lot of the news, you may need to choose when I switch it off because it's, they want to feed very depressing stuff. It's real things that are going on, but actually, what are you feeding yourself? And it is okay to call time out and say, I've done with that, I need to stop. Fill yourself with light, not darkness. Part four, I'm doing all right, aren't I? I've only got 12 points, it's all right. Story four, living in darkness leaves us vulnerable and confused. No one likes to feel vulnerable. Again, around the age of 14, I was um, going to a mate's house in the daytime. Uh, it gets better, it gets better. And as I was in, arrived at my mate's house, um, they had had some gravel arrived for, um, for their driveway. And it was a few tons, so it was quite a pile. Um, didn't think anything else of it. Went in, spent a few hours at my mate's house. Went back home, daytime. And in the evening, I was going back again. And this time, I was riding my bike, and, uh, and I had a torch, a bike light. Thank you, thank you. I didn't anticipate that was going to be the highlight of the evening. I then cycled into my mate's house, which, um, as I was going, turning into his lane, there was no other vehicles around, and I thought, I'm going to save battery power for about 10 seconds, trying to be a little bit kind of cocky, you know, just kind of, it's going to be all right. 
and I'm cycling, turn off the lights, turn into his driveway, and at the very moment I remember that there's a few tons of gravel in a pile, bang, I hit it. But because it was a nice pile, I flew over the handlebars and kind of slid down, down the side. I had no sympathy from my, my mate at the time. That was one experience of being kind of confused and kind of like, oh my goodness, I turned the light off. I was also, when I about eight years of age, I used to go to Cubs, cycling through these narrow lanes at night, I had a dynamo bike light. And the old-fashioned dynamo bike light was one that it was obviously then attached to the wheel. But the fact is, as I was cycling through this very narrow, pitch-black pathway, I hit a bump and the dynamo unclicked. And I went from bright light to total darkness. In those moments, in these really kind of little, simple, silly stories, is the fact that I'm just drawn back to these because it's that vulnerability and confusion at those ages to think, actually, you go from confidence to feeling very vulnerable and confused just in that moment. Life throws confusion at us. Life wants to tell us to be vulnerable. And I would say that there's a vulnerability where we feel exposed and there's a vulnerability where we put our trust in God. There is those kind of two differences. I'm talking about the vulnerability where we feel exposed. In Psalm 18, it talks about, for you will light my lamp. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. And at any moment where you feel a vulnerability, where you feel kind of naked, where you feel a sense of um, really kind of like in a place of not knowing what to do, turn to God. Turn to the light. Ensure that we don't drift off because actually in that vulnerable moments, it's we need that loving protection of God. So just for the last few moments, I know all these life experiences were not life-threatening, okay? They're just kind of little silly moments just to be reminded of. But I want to say, actually, just speak for a moment and say, I realize that in this room, there are people that are living with much more serious issues. Whether that's directly yourself, or you've got a loved one, maybe there's a work colleague, maybe there's just something that you're really caring and concerned for somebody. And over the years, I've lost um, some family members, close family members to things like cancer, um, those can be dark times. They are dark moments. But it's Jesus that offers hope. It's Jesus that offers the light and the direction. And even in those desperate times, even in those moments where you might be saying, where are you in this, God? Even light, like a, a tea candle that's in a distance, you can still see that flicker that can even just be the smallest of hope that you need. But I want to encourage you, each one of us, to cling onto it, even in those desperate times. Because if we step back into darkness, if we say, well, I don't know if God really now exists. You know, we often hear that when people say that. You know, something terrible goes wrong, and they question their faith, even turn their back on it. Really what they're doing is stepping then into darkness. There's no hope in darkness. There is hope in Jesus. And that is he that we need to step into. Be reassured, I just want to read a couple of verses and we're just wrapping it up. John 1 verse 5, and the light shines in darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Revelation 21, 23, the city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, 
for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. Let's ensure that we don't treat stepping into light lightly. Let's treat it seriously. Let's encourage and build one another up. Being in relationship with Jesus is the most precious and the most beautiful place to be. And if you've got someone next to you that you know may be struggling, encourage them, build them up, pray with them. We're a community that loves and builds one another up. Jesus came and died on the cross that brought light. Do you know in Romans 5 verse 8, it says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That means even though we were choosing to live in darkness, even though we were living in darkness, Jesus died on the cross and purchased our sin. That's how incredible God is. That's how incredible his love for you and I is. The very fact that he purchased our sin when we were still living in darkness. Isn't that incredible? And it's worth celebrating. I also just want to finish with this by saying, giving your life to Jesus isn't about a nice, fuzzy Christmas feeling. It's fraternity. And that's the best gift that you can ever receive. I just want to, I would say to stand, but actually I just want you to just close your eyes. We're going to end this evening. But I just want to read out, by reading out Colossians 1, verse 13 to 18. And I want to use this as a prayer. It says, Jesus has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence, the first place. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that we don't have to try and navigate through this life in darkness. I want to thank you, Heavenly Father, that you sent your son, Jesus, to redeem us and rescue us. That you plucked us out of darkness and brought us into your wonderful light. Father, I want to pray over each person in this room that whatever in life they may be carrying right now, whether it's good stuff or stuff they're struggling with, Father, will you just keep reminding them to look and to live in your light. Father, I pray against the schemes of the enemy. The whispers are saying, oh, there's no point in following Jesus. Just go back to your old life. No, we are a new creation because of Jesus. And I thank you that you are the one that's above everything else. So Father, I just pray you continue just to be upon us. I pray as the rest of the evening goes that we will be in communion together. Let this place be filled with more laughter, more fun. I pray.
pray, Lord Jesus, there'll be a sense of togetherness because we're all looking to keep thriving in your light. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Amen.